right, what's up, y'all? How we doing? All right, y'all ready to do this one more time? All right, if you have your Bibles, let me see them. Let me see them high up in the air. Let me see them, let me see them. Okay? Hey, we're going to dive into this book one last time, and we're going to pick up the story where we just saw our friends up here leave it off. Hey, can you guys, you guys have had like the best energy all week. These guys work so hard to memorize all these lines and put on these dramas. Can you give it up for them one more time? Heck yeah. All right, we are going to be in John chapter 14 here in just a minute. So if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 14. Okay, and last night um, I shared with y'all, I shared with y'all an a analogy, right? A story about Disneyland. You remember this? And we talked about, right, if, if I were to take Piper to Disneyland and we were to punch our ticket. We were to get through that front gate and we would sit down and I'd go, Pipes, we made it. Disneyland. And we sit down on the bench and we watch the monorail go over and we see the white flowers that make the Mickey Mouse ears and we're like, this is it. And what we talked about last night was if we stop right there, we're missing out on the entirety that is Disneyland, right? If you don't go in, if you don't meet the characters, if you don't go in and walk Main Street, if you don't go in and get the world's best corn dog, if you don't go watch the world of color and ride the rides, you're missing out on what is actually Disneyland. Am I I technically in Disneyland? Yeah, I am. I punched my ticket. I'm inside the gates. And what I want to talk about tonight is for a lot of you, last night maybe you made a first-time decision to surrender your life to Jesus, or you stood for repentance to say, hey, the way that I've been living my life, I need to stop in my tracks, I need to change my mind about something in my life, and I need to turn around, and I need to walk back toward Jesus. Him and I, we need to get back in step with one another. And it's typically not that God has gone anywhere, it's usually us that's gotten busy, or distracted, or priorities have changed in our life. And a lot of you last night made decisions to go, I wanna get back on track with Jesus. And friends, tonight what I wanna share with you is if we're not careful when it comes to Jesus, we can be like the whole Disneyland experience where we go, I'm in. I have a relationship with Jesus, and then we sit down and we stop right there and we move on with our lives and we get busy again. We start playing sports and we start hanging out with friends and we start diving back into school and our relationship with Jesus, we kind of fall back into the lunchable Jesus. And we miss the life and life abundant that John chapter 10 verse 10 talks about. And tonight, um, do you remember my two commitments to you? Right, number one was everything we talk about is going to come from the Bible. The greatest story ever told. That's hardly ever told in its entirety. And if you've enjoyed this week, if you've looked at these dramas and been like, this is so rad, this is such a fun story. Y'all, there is so much in this book that I'm still discovering and diving into and reading and seeing the connections from this to that. And if you allow yourself to lean into this book, you, not let somebody else tell you about it, not your parents, not your teacher, you dive into this thing. Just wait and watch and see how much the God of the universe desires to reveal himself to you. 
And as we dive into this book this morning, my first commitment to you, or sorry, tonight, my first commitment to you was that everything we talk about is going to be rooted and grounded in here. My second one is I'm going to treat you like adults. And the commitment that I ask back is that you lean in. And the reason I'm asking you to lean in tonight is the second commitment of treating you like adults tonight. What I talk to you about tonight, genuinely, I wish there was just a giant mirror on the back wall of chapel. Because this isn't for you. This is for me. What we talk about tonight, this isn't me standing up here going, hey, y'all, this is something I've mastered and figured out, and you need to figure it out too. No, what we talk about tonight is me looking myself in the mirror and go, Austin, I desire to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to walk with him day in and day out. And if I'm not careful, I can fill my life with busyness and distractions and things around me that aren't Life and life abundant walking with Jesus. And so everything I talk to you about tonight, I'm going to treat you like an adult and say, hey, y'all, this is what God is teaching me. This is what God has shown me. And this is what I need to stay in step with him. So within the Disneyland analogy, we then go a step further and go, okay, so how do I get off the bench at the entrance and enter into Disneyland? What's Main Street? What are the rides? What are the characters? How do I take the next step? Because I don't just want to punch my ticket with Christianity and go, cool, I'm in, check. I stood up at at a camp. I gave my life to Jesus. Now what? And tonight is the now what? Tonight is the how do we not just make this one awesome week that you look back on in a couple years from now and be like, remember those dogs and that stage? And yeah, I stood up and for sure, but I... That was, it was just like a kind of a mountain thing, right? The air was a little thinner up there. I'm not totally sure what was going on. And tonight I want to just invite you into my process to go, hey, here's things that I need in my life to continue to walk in step with Jesus. Okay, so before we jump into John chapter 14, verse, uh, we are going to jump into verse 15, okay? But before we get there, I want to, I want to just... Uh, you ever read the Bible, you ever like open up the Bible and read a verse or a, a handful of verses and do the whole like, mm, yeah, wait, what? That ever happened to you? Yeah. Just me? Okay, so like there, this is one of those verses that I open up and I read and, and the first time I read this, I remember being like, mm, yeah, that's good. Uh-huh. Wait, huh? Wait, what? That, that, that doesn't make any sense. And it, it's in John chapter 16. If you're taking notes, just write John 16, 7. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, this is Jesus and his guys, right? They're hanging out. They've had the Last Supper. Remember, John zooms in on like the last day of Jesus' life. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says this to his guys. He's talking with them and he goes, hey, it's better for you that I go away. It's better for you that I leave. And the first time I read that, I was like, "Mm, yeah, that's good. Words of Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, huh? Okay, how many of you have been to a, a chapel at your school before? Like your, your Christian school has chapels. How many of you have been to like a youth group before? Like you, you went to a church and there was like a junior high youth group. Okay, okay, I just want you to stop and imagine with me for just a second. Hey, you go home and next week on your school's uh, like bulletin board or wherever you hear about the chapel speakers, it says this week at your school, The speaker is Jesus of Nazareth, right? None of you, right? None of you are like, "Mm, I don't really like chapel, right? Like if you go to your youth group and your youth pastor's like, hey, we got a guest speaker this week, it's uh, Jesus, 
And you're like, wait, what? And you're like, he's like, yeah, uh-huh. Jesus, he's, uh, he's on tour, like world tour. He's making his stop in Bakersfield tonight, right? Like, it's, none, of us, none of us are like, mm, I kind of got a lot of homework this week. No, you're not missing that one, right? Like, you're not missing the youth group or the school chapel where Jesus is the guest speaker. Like, you, there's going to be a line so long afterwards, and you're going to walk up with your Bible, and you're going to be like, mm, <clears throat> Mr. Nazareth, um, I, have a, I have a question for you. Like, I, I, something you said in here, like, I don't fully get it. Like, do you know how many questions I would have if I could sit across over a cup of coffee with Jesus? Like, that would be awesome. And Jesus sits with his guys, and he goes, hey, friends, it's better for you, actually, if I'm not physically here. And if I'm the disciples hearing Jesus say this, I'm like, what? What could possibly be better than having a physical Jesus, like God in a bod, here on earth? Like, what could be better than that? And here's what he says in John chapter 14, verse 15. And last time, Hume, like you mean it, nice and loud and proud. If you're in John chapter 14, verse 15, give me a nice, loud preach. preach. All right. It says this in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, this is Jesus talking to his guys. If you love me, keep my commands. Okay? Notice this. Pause real quick and look up at me. Pause real quick, real quick. Everybody, every eye on the room on me. Okay? Notice that Jesus ties love with obedience to his commands. See, remember the whole believe equals trust? For Jesus and the author of John, they seem to tie this concept of love with obedience to his command, which means you and I can't just go, yeah, I love God, and then do whatever we want. But, but don't forget, right? Remember the whole like landmine? Beep, 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 cone, 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 right? Certain death. Beep, 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 landmine, cone, 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 certain death. So Jesus' commands are actually the best thing for us. When he gives us a design for life, he's the author and creator of life, and so he knows how we're supposed to live it. So his commands are the best thing for us. It's the most loving thing for us. So our love in response to his love equals obedience to his commands. We don't get to decide what that love looks like. He already decided what that love looks like. Does that make sense? And that love and the obedience to his commands has everything to do with what's coming next. So if you love me, keep my commands. And Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you do know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. He doubles down on that phrase. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. See, here's the coolest thing. Why would Jesus say, it's better for me to go away? It's because he gives us the advocate. He gives us his spirit. See, and maybe you've studied this in school, or maybe you've heard this before, but the God of the Bible is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
It's this triune God. It's this trinity that if you start thinking about it for too long, your brain will start to explode. But God goes, hey, I am going to give you my spirit so that when I go away, if you have surrendered your life to me, remember Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10? It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Salvation is not dependent on you or your ability to do anything. Jesus and Jesus alone saves. And when we surrender our life to Jesus, immediately after, as we become his sons and daughters, he gives us his spirit. And here's the coolest thing, y'all. Okay, so y'all remember I grew up in Ecuador, South America. My parents were missionaries down there. I spent most of my life down there. And uh, here's the coolest thing about God's spirit is that today, in 2023, as the church in Ecuador expands, God's spirit is present in the sons and daughters of his kingdom that walk and breathe and work and expand his kingdom in Ecuador. At the exact same time that God is moving and working in South Africa and China and here in Hume and on the East Coast and in Russia and all throughout the world. So Jesus goes, hey, it's better for you that I go away. Why? Because Jesus was in one place at one time. Jesus was a very real man that walked the earth, that lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live, and then died the death that you and I deserve to die so that we might live the life that he deserved to live. But then when he leaves, he promises us his spirit. And the reason this is so important is what he says in John chapter 17, verse 3. Jesus says this. He says, this is eternal life. Not that, not, not that it's a, a someday, when I die, I go to heaven thing. He says, this is eternal life. That you would know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Y'all, do you know how we know God in 2023? Number one, right here. We dive into this book consistently, not asking the question, what does this have to do with me? Not asking that question. Asking the question, God, what does this have to do with you? Would you reveal yourself to me through your word? And God, in 2023, continues to reveal himself. This is eternal life, that we would know the one true God through his word and know Jesus Christ whom he sent. How do we get to know God and Jesus? One, through his word. Two, through his spirit. He has given us his spirit. So when you feel alone on your darkest day, friend, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, you are never alone. His spirit lives, it dwells within you. As you open up his word and you go, God, I don't fully understand this, would you know that the author of the Bible itself dwells within you? And you can stop and pause right there and go, God, would you reveal yourself to me through your word? That the spirit of God dwells within you as his son and as his daughter. But can I just tell you, friend, can I tell you what my greatest fear is for you? Hands down, my single greatest fear for you fifth grader, sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grader in the room is this. It's not that you would go down the mountain and that you would disprove Christianity. That's not my greatest fear for you. 
See, I, I've been doing this for about 10 years now. I've been, I've been in, in vocational ministry, teaching God's word and discipling students. And I've worked with thousands of junior high students. And I yet, it's, it's, it's yet to happen to me where I've had a student walk up to me and go, hey, Austin, I don't follow Jesus anymore because, because I don't believe the resurrection happened. I came across some evidence and I just don't buy it anymore. See, friend, Christianity is not some philosophical ideology. Christianity is based in a historical event. If you disprove the resurrection of Jesus, you disprove Christianity. If there comes out some sort of evidence that Jesus didn't in fact raise from the dead, I quit my job tomorrow. Then this book isn't true anymore. Then Jesus isn't worth following because he's dead. But if he raised again from the dead and everything he said is true, then he's worth following with everything that I am. And so my greatest fear for you is not that you're going to go down the mountain and watch some YouTube video or some TikTok or read some article that goes, whoa, this thing isn't true and you're just going to instantly turn away. That's not my greatest fear for you. My greatest fear is that you will just slowly but surely drift and away from this God and settle for a mediocre relationship with Jesus. And can I tell you what, friend, over the last 10 years, working with thousands of junior high students, I've watched that happen over and over and over and over again, and it breaks my heart. Y'all ever been in a lazy river before? Right? I got to go to a summer camp this last summer that had a lazy river. It was the coolest thing ever. And me and a bunch of my guy students, we hop in the lazy river. And uh, when you have a bunch of rowdy high school students in a lazy river, it, it's, not, it's not very much of a lazy river. Right? Like most people get in a lazy river to like relax. Me and all my boys were like upstream now. Right? And we turn around and we're like everything we have to just like scratch and claw our way upstream. And we were like this close to getting kicked out of this water park, okay? And we're like doing everything we can to, if you lift up your feet, where are you going? Downstream, right? It's moving. There's a current in this sucker. But if you plant your feet and if you just like work your way upstream or if you turn and you like swim on a treadmill, you can work your way upstream. See, when it comes to walking day in and day out, 168 hours in a week, 52 weeks in a year, this year, if you're not actively moving towards Jesus, you will get pulled away. That's just how it works. Hey, is there anybody in here that considers themselves like good with directions? What's your name? Mine? Yeah. Hannah. Hannah. You're pretty good with directions. Like if your parents take a wrong turn in the car, you're like, mom, right? You know it, right? Intuitively. Okay, Hannah. If I gave you directions, right? Let's say, um, where are my like board sport friends in the, in the house, like you skateboard, you snowboard, you wakeboard, you, what else am I missing? So you surf, you skimboard. Okay, if I do this, what's this called, right? Okay, if I do this, what's this called? I almost, there's like a soft spot on the stage that scared me, okay? If I do this, what's this called? Okay, if I do this, what's this called? I'm just kidding, that's all I got, okay? Okay, but that's the reason it's called a 180 or a 360 is because there are 360 degrees in a circle. So 180 is halfway around, 360 is all the way around. Okay, so Hannah, if I were going to give you directions and I was just to drop a red pin 100 yards away, 
100 yards away, and I was going to stand with you, and I'm going to give you directions to that, that pin that's 100 yards away. You could probably see the red pin, right? And, and then I just set you one degree off course. One degree, right? Like teensy, tiny one degree. By the time you got to that red pin, if you were one degree off course, you would miss my red pin by five feet. Not that big of a deal, right? There's a lot of us in this room that are like five feet tall. You just like lay down, measure it, and you go, ah, I'm here. I made, the red, I made, I made it to the red pin. One degree off at 100 yards is a minimal distance. It's a minimal mistake. Okay, but Hannah, if I were to drop a red pin a mile away, Right? And now you can't really see that red pin anymore. And then, I, and then we started at the same spot, and I set you one teensy, teensy degree off. By the time you reached that red pin, you would miss my red pin by 92 feet. Okay? Slightly more significant. Okay? You'd have to look and go, ah, about 100 feet away, there it is. I see this red pin, and you'd make it. Now, if you, you were to get in a car, we were to leave Hume Lake Christian Camps, and I were to give you directions to my church in San Diego. And I said, hey, Hannah, here's the directions to my church. Here's how you get there. And then I set you one degree off course. Okay? Let's just say we're not in a car. We're actually going to get in an airplane. All right? We're going to hop in an airplane. And we're like, Hume Lake's got this like, G6 in the back. No big deal. Okay? And we're just going like, to hop in this airplane, and we're going to tell the pilot the directions. And you're like, I'm good with directions. I got this. And then we set, the, we set the, 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 the course just one degree off. If you traveled the 386 miles from Hume to my church in San Diego, you would miss my church by six miles. Significant. One degree. Seems so insignificant, just one degree. Now, Hannah, if you were getting in the same airplane and you were going to go around the world, Amelia Earhart style, right? And you were just going to go all the way around the world from Hume, leave Hume, come all the way back to Hume. By the time you reached all the way around the world and tried to come back to Hume, you would miss Hume by 435 miles and you'd end up somewhere south of Tijuana. Right? And you'd be in another country, another vicinity, just because of one degree. If you got in a rocket ship, you set course for the moon, and you went one degree off. You would miss the moon by 4,168 miles. Friends, one degree matters. One degree matters. Now, as you go home, and you get on a bus, or in a van, or in a car, or whatever brought you up this mountain, and you go home, if this next week you don't read your Bible, you don't go to youth group. You don't have a conversation with an adult that's older and wiser than you about what it looks like to follow Jesus. In the next week, do you know what's going to happen? Probably not much. You're still going to have the fresh memories of Hume. You're still maybe going to be on fire and, and kind of remember the worship songs. You might be able to walk from point A to point B and sing the songs that we sang this week. You'll remember the Bible stories we talked about this week. But if six months goes by, if three years goes by and you don't actively, consistently walk with Jesus, friends, one degree matters, and vice versa. If you go home this week and you open up the Bible, you hop on Spotify and you listen to some worship music, in one week, do you know what's going to happen? Not much. There's no magic formula for having like an on-fire relationship with Jesus. But if you consistently dive into God's word and lean into some of the patterns that we've done this week in six months, in one year, in three years from now, I promise your life will look different. 
So I just want to close our time together by just giving you five quick things. And just going, hey, if you lean into these five things, if you make these five pillars an active part of your life, and again, this is where I wish there was just a big old mirror on the back wall, because this is me talking to me. These aren't five things that you need. These are five things that we need. If you look at your leaders in the room, they're not exempt from these five things. Every single one of your leaders, every single one of your teachers, every single one of the Hume staff up here, we need these five things to consistently walk with Jesus. And the first one is what we've already talked about. Number one, if you're taking notes, you can just write down Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. If you just want to write G-A-L 5-1-6. Galatians 5-16 says this. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit to keep you from doing what you want to do. Friend, Galatians 5.16 says that there's a battle going on. It's like this tug of war match. And just because you gave your life to Jesus this week, or just because you repented this week, doesn't mean that we don't have an enemy. We very much still have an enemy who's on the prowl with these four words. Did... God really say. And so it says, walk by the Spirit. Do you know what I love? I love that it doesn't say sprint by the Spirit. It doesn't say, like, run as hard as you can by the Spirit, and you're like, okay, I'll try. No, it says walk. And when your Bible, especially the, the author Paul, who wrote the book of Galatians, when he uses this word walk, he's meaning the regular pattern of your life. Would you walk by the Spirit? Would every single day, just, would you just wake up, and maybe it's just a 30-second prayer in the morning where you just put your hands out in front of you and just go, God, I give you my life today. Would I walk in awareness of you today? The first pillar that we need, and probably the most important pillar that we need, is to just daily walk by the Spirit. Number two, number two is worship through music. Hey, we've been doing this all week with Isaac and friends, and I love that God has given us the power of music. Hey, y'all ever had a song that you haven't heard in forever, and then it like comes on a random shuffle playlist, or you're listening to the radio for some reason, and like a song comes on, and you're like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song in forever, and you know every word to that song? Okay, here's, here's a weird thing that's like I'm learning as now that I have kids, okay? Uh, my... Like if I walked up to you and I said, hey, uh, give me the ABCs, there's not, a, there's not a human being in this room that would go A, B, C, D. No, it'd be like, ah, that's creepy, right? It'd be like, if I said, hey, give me the ABCs, we would all go Oh, you guys sing so beautifully. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. We would go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, Y. Because that's how we were taught when we're kids. Like 90% of Piper's toys are like set to music in some way, shape, or form. Right? All of her toys have this like little button on them somewhere that will play music. I kid you not. The other night, it was like middle of the night. I wake up to go to the bathroom, and uh, she has this otter, this like Christmas otter that's always around. It's not Christmas, okay? And it's this Christmas otter, and I kicked it in the middle of the night. And because I kicked it just right, it hit this button on it, and it was like, ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks, and... <laughs> And this is like 3 a.m., right? I was like, I kicked it, I was like, ooh, and I was like, demons, right? Like, it's, it's like the creepiest moment. But all, all of Piper's toys 
All of Piper's toys are set to music. Why? Because music is powerful. Right? We learn through music. If you have to memorize something long, a lot of the times we set it to music. And so the reason pillar number two is worship through music specifically, right? worship doesn't equal music. Right? Worship is something we are, not something we do. So the question is not if we will worship, it's who or what we will worship. And the gift of worship through music is this. If you can get, like, like we all have songs stuck in our head all the time. Imagine if the lyrics that are truth about who God is and who you are is what you had stuck in your head. The power of worship through music, friend. If you don't have, like if you have a Spotify or an Apple Music or anything like that, download a worship playlist. If you're like, I don't know any good worship music, find Isaac tomorrow and just go, hey, can you, what are the songs we sang this week? Just write them down. Look them up on YouTube. Make worship through music a regular pattern of your life. Number three. Number three is God's word. Hey, this book right here. The greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety. Make this book, hey a regular pattern of your life. Hey, make sure you're diving into this thing day in and day out. And, and if, you're, if you look at this and you go, ah, this book's just kind of confusing. Friend, do two things. Number one, just start reading it. If you ask anybody who's excellent at anything, for the most part, that didn't just come naturally. If you ask anybody that has a healthy marriage, a healthy relationship, it didn't just come naturally. If you try to learn to play the guitar, if you want to be excellent in theater, if you want to know an instrument, if you want to be excellent in a sport, it takes time, it takes practice. And so when you first open this book up, yeah, it might be a little bit hard. It might be a little bit challenging, but number one, just start. Just start where you are. If you don't know where to start, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Just dive into the gospel stories. And number two, I would just say find somebody who's further down the road. Maybe start with one of the teachers or parents or leaders that's here and just go, hey, is, could we read through this together? Could, we, could I come to you with some questions? Could I ask you one question a week? I promise you, friend, there's not a leader in this room that would go, mm, no thanks. It, it just wouldn't happen. Any one of the leaders that came up with you, if you went up to them and been like, hey, can we read the Bible together? They'd be like, what? Are you serious? Like, uh, yes, this is, this is awesome. They would all love the opportunity to do that with you. Make the Bible a regular pattern of your life. Number four, one another. You need one another. Hey, every single one of us needs, right? Christianity was never meant to be done alone. And friend, if you don't have a local church that you're involved in, that you're a part of, if you don't have a youth group that you're involved in, that you're a part of, make sure when you go home, dive into a local community. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says, as one man or as one woman sharpens another, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one woman sharpens another. And this is one of my first tattoos I ever got. It's just Proverbs 27, 17. You want to know why? Because I tried walking out Christianity by myself, and it doesn't work. Have you ever seen a zebra all alone in the Sahara? We call that dinner, right? It doesn't work. Zebras run in packs, Right, the black and white stripes stand out like a sore thumb against the tan Sahara. It, it doesn't work. The black and white stripes work when they're, in a, when they're in a group. The Bible says that the devil is like a roaring lion waiting 
just waiting to trip you up, to get you to distrust who God is and distrust what he says. As you go down this mountain, you need a community around you. You need one another. Right? Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You know what the opposite of that is? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, bad company corrupts good morals. If you think the people that you surround yourself with don't matter, friend, I promise you, look at the five people around you that you spend the most time with, that's gonna be you. We are the product of the people that we surround ourselves with. Surround yourself with people that are chasing after Jesus and watch how that impacts your relationship with Jesus. And, and I'll say one more thing for each other, and then I'm gonna give you the fifth pillar. Um, can I have every leader in this room that's, that came up to camp this week, can you just stand up for me for a second? Okay. Stay standing. Stay standing for just a second. Okay. Uh, students in the room, let me let you in on a little secret, okay? These leaders, they didn't come up here because they need more 12-year-old friends, okay? There's not a leader in this room that was like, you know what I need in my life? Just more friends, more 13-year-old friends, right? No, there's not a single one of these leaders. Now, 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 don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. Through spending time with you, through being your teacher, your parent, or leader in your life, may, like, they could become friends for sure, but their heart for giving up a week of their time for being up here at Hume, Right? For the sleepless nights, for chasing you around camp, right? For, for spending time away from their families, from work for a lot of them. Like, the reason they're here is because Jesus changed their life. And they're now chasing after Jesus, and they're looking back at fifth graders, sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders, going, I want to tell you about Jesus. So as you go down this hill, do two things for me. Number one, at some point, not right now, let me make that crystal clear, not right now. At some point before you leave, make sure you look them in the eyes and you say, thank you for this week. Again, not right now. But look them in the eyes at some point and say, hey, thank you for spending this week with me. And then number two, as you seek to follow Jesus, lean on these guys, lean on these gentlemen, lean on these women. As you go, what does this look like? Look to the wisdom of leaders that are further down the road, that aren't perfect, but they know a whole lot more than you do. They have a whole lot more life experience than you. We need each other, y'all. Y'all can grab a seat. And lastly, lastly, one more thing. Last pillar, okay? So pillar number one, Holy Spirit. Number two, worship through music. Number three, Bible. Number four, each other. Number five, prayer. Okay? Make prayer a regular pattern of your life. And friends, if I can be super honest with you, this one's hard for me. This one's really hard for me. Hey, I close my eyes and I go to pray and... Uh, 70% of the time, I think about what the next meal that I'm going to eat is. I get distracted. My mind water, wanders. My mind drifts. But this is, this is one of the most helpful things anybody has ever said to me about prayer. They said, prayer is not these and thous. Right? God doesn't speak new King James. He's not impressed by your big words. Right? Prayer is simply this. Prayer is spending time with the person who loves you the most. And that, that just makes prayer the most beautiful thing. Prayer is spending time with the person who loves you the most. It's just coming to God throughout your day and just going, hey God, 
I'm here, I don't really know what to say, but maybe even just carving out some time to listen. Prayer is just spending time with the person who loves you the most. And I'll ask you this question. If you talked to God, or sorry, if you talked to your best friend as much as you talked to God, how well would you know your best friend? Right? Like, my wife, if I talk to my wife, sometimes, like a lot of us talk to God, right when I wake up, maybe really quickly before each meal, and it was kind of like the repetition of the same words, and then like falling asleep as I went to bed. Y'all ever done this prayer? Like, hey, Lord, thanks for to. And a lot of the times, like our prayer life looks like, like short little mantras asking for things. Like if my relationship with Paige was like asking for things and then just like 30 second combos three times a day, none of you would be like, oh, romance, right? No, you'd be like, y'all don't talk at all. And I think a lot of the times we go, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus. I don't really know what this looks like. And I would ask you, hey, how's your prayer life? And again, friend, like, please don't hear me as somebody up front going like, pray more. I'm standing here going, this is hard for me. And yet I look at Jesus when he was on earth and he made prayer such a priority in his life to just get away and spend time with the person who loves him the most. So if you want to walk with Jesus, if, you, if you're tired of just sitting at the gate at Disneyland going, is this it? Is this Christianity? Kind of boring. Friend, don't make the same mistake I did. Thinking that Christianity was boring, but I guess I go to heaven someday. Lean into these five things and watch life and life abundant play out. The most fulfilling, satisfying, joy-filled, peaceful life you could possibly live in the midst of brokenness and pain and hardship. Jesus never said there will be no brokenness on this side of heaven. He never said your bank account will be full. He never said you're going to have zero struggle. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Pray with me. God, thank you for this week. God, and I just ask through your Holy Spirit, God, that you would remind us when we need to be reminded of truth as we pack up and we head home tomorrow, that this week wouldn't just be a fun memory. That this week wouldn't be, would just be a, a flash in the pan where we experienced you and, and, and we just can't wait to come back to Hume because that's where we experienced God. But God, I just pray over these students, I pray over these leaders that as we go down the mountain that you would raise up mighty men and women out of this room that would walk with you daily and that through walking with you, God, that we would carry your good news and that we would continue to impact your kingdom. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.